Hey folks, it's Chris here. I uh, just wanted to get in here real quick and thank Jason of the Funk and Rudy Tootie for following us on Twitter. You can join them at the Forest Cast if you want to see episode previews, maps, and other such media. I'd highly recommend it. Uh, and with that, on to the show. I mean, I remember. So I remember when I was younger, right? And this is back in the day. In elementary school... Really back in the day? Yeah. Way back when. We had the feral hog drills. You had the And then what? in middle school... Are you, you're joking, I went right? To, I went to your elementary school. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Chris skipped those days. And then in middle school, in gym class, there was uh, it was right between the football and the hockey unit where we learned how to shoot guns at wild hogs. What the fuck? You are making this fucking shit up. <laughs> so, yeah, of course, of course I am, Chris. Okay. I'm telling what we in the business call a joke. Hello and welcome to Out of the Forest, an actual play podcast about a bunch of lionfish trying to avoid not ordinary clocks, but modified clocks. We are currently playing Monster of the Week by Michael Sands. I am Chris and I am your GM slash keeper and I am joined by my players. I'm Evan and I play Baron. I'm Dominic and I play Kernunos. I'm Jessica and I play Enif. And I'm Alistair and I play Isaac. The four of you, after receiving such an ominous message, were summarily dismissed by Sal, who claimed to be getting a headache from talking serious for so long. And you all left camp, uh, getting yourselves to the nearest bus stop and, and riding it all the way back to Veritate, where you honestly, after resting for enough time, just spent the rest of the day... Um, letting uh, Enif tend to your wounds. Uh, All of you had numerous uh, scars and fairly, like, bruised internal organs. Um, This last mission was brutal to all of you in different ways. Uh, Luckily, Enif is a skilled healer, and with all the tools available to them at their shop, they were able to handle the majority of what might have left you worse off and get you all back up into shape. The downside is that such heavy healing uses a decent amount of the uh, heal ease energy and it wiped you all out and you all pretty much slept for the next 24 hours each. Perhaps a little less for our friend who is also a god. A few days passed with much of you just getting back on your feet after this and considering what your next moves were when Enif decided that they were going to follow up on a plan that they had thought of towards the end of our last adventure. They wanted to go ahead and figure out any updates from their friends in the cult as well as what does the cult know of this pit? And so, Enif, you are planning the next step of enacting this plan 
uh, as you begin work on repairing your bracer, work on that's coming a little slow at this point. Um, what what is your what is your idea for contacting Yodin at this point? Are you just gonna go to the the hut where she lives, or? Um. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, you put a th- another couple stitchings and 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 funnel a little more of your energy into your bracer, and it's it's not yet back up to the level it was, but it's it's getting there. Um, and that night, uh, under the cover of darkness, you decide to make your way to Yildun's, uh, home. Uh, or at least the last place you remember it being. Luckily for you, um, she did reside in the, the main camp of the, the, the Watchers. And therefore, uh, when you get there, you can tell just from... The, the meager decorations placed upon the, the, the self-made hut that Yodun still lives there. And you creep in and create that uh, same sign meaning secret, the sigil of your order without the three dots representing the watch uh, elders watching you. And Yodun blearily shifts from her sleep and as she looks at you, she looks extremely worried. Um, Yildon, are you okay? Uh, if you, you, you can't be here. What are you doing? This is incredibly dangerous. I know, but I just needed to to ask you a couple important questions. Uh, Alright, uh, make, make it quick. Um, and she walks over to the, the flaps to her uh, hut and, uh, you, you see her be- and channeling and, and, and um, muttering some incantations, and you see a, for a brief moment, a shimmering lassie wall appear in front of it, uh, and goes, that should uh, keep us alone for now. We just gotta keep it down. What, what are your questions? I just wanted to double check that everybody, you know, that our plan was going all right, and everybody was okay to, you know, for, for our, your escape. It, yes, um, I was actually fairly soon going to deliver this to you so I guess I can just hand it to you now and she hands another of those little envelopes marked with the stylized E uh, for you. Okay. She goes, Um, that has some further instructions about the exact amounts of what we need and um, the the date of the festival we need it by. Okay, thank you. And then I also recently in one of our uh, missions we've discovered something strange in the forest it's i think it's what's causing all of the problems in this town it it might even be what caused the elders to go so strange but have you heard any whispers in the cult about a large pit in the forest uh go ahead and give me an investigative mystery that's one of the things you're use, you use it for is questioning someone. So, I did say ten. Uh, yes, yeah, so you can get two questions from this. Um, one of which will be essentially the question you just asked: Has she heard anything? I think what is being concealed here definitely is essentially what you're asking. Yeah. Um, what? Yeah. What's being concealed here? And then, um, maybe what is it? Was what is it going to do? Yeah, I think those like, are both. 
Yeah. Fair question. That's like... Um, Yildun kind of looks worried, and she goes, I, I've heard things here and there, and it's, it's all hearsay enough, so take it with, with a grain of salt, I suppose. Um, but the elders were stationed here, as you know, because they believed the, the forest empowered our magics and may have even been the source of it. And I've heard whispers that they discovered what exactly it is that fuels magic. And perhaps it, it seems to have aligned with our, our the, the shift to, to uh, darker methods and may very well be uh, related to, to this thing you found in the forest. Um, we also oh, think that it's what's leading to this grand festival to celebrate the culmination of the elders' plans, the one we intend to use as a as a smokescreen to escape during. Okay. If you keep keep an ear out, I I think that I think that whatever this pit is is what's been creating these monsters that have been infesting this town it it could be extremely dangerous and so just keep an ear out and just be very careful uh, we'll do on I'll, I'll talk to Rigel and see if we can't if see if we can't wrestle up those who are on our side to keep an ear out so we can provide you with helpful information once we've left this cause okay um and then i think um because that's basically all i wanted to ask i don't think um i'm trying to think if there's anything i should ask while i'm here and this isn't even if talking this is jessica talking. yeah i got you <laughs> um um you adopt a subtly different way about you when you're being Enith. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to say um, uh, thank you, Yildan. Also, have you noticed any new strange um, behaviors from anyone um, or any of the elders? It, it might be important. Um. I am uncertain with everyone being pulled to the same location. It's been, well, it's hard to notice any individual behavior when there's so many people around. Um, did the elders ever, I don't know if you answered this before, Chris, but um, did the elders ever explain why they were pulling everyone to the same place and abandoning all their, all the outposts? Yodun looks troubled at that question. And she sort of averts her eyes for a second. And then when she looks back up at you, uh, she seems like she's about to say something. And then her eyes go wide. And a split second later, you realize why that is. You hear footsteps approaching the tent. And um, Yodin says, you need to go now. Okay, be safe. And then I'm going to disappear. Yep. Mm. Uh, she drops the, the barrier around the door and you slip out uh, just as you see someone around in the corner and under the darkness you, you quickly 
slip between the various huts and make your way back out and head back the way you came. The, the morning of the same day that Enif decided to go confront Yodun, Kernanos, you are um, enjoying some nice jam on toast uh, that Balanus has prepared and watching the prices right. <laughs> uh, Balanus is spreading some additional jam on her toast and she looks at you and just goes, I'll, I'll never understand how these mortals uh, price out their, their objects. I mean, it would be so much easier for them just to share what everyone needs. What what really astonishes me is the the lack of utility. Like, there is an an it's an I think they called it a quick pot, a speedy pot. It's just a pressure cooker, but it costs twice the price. I mean, uh, humans have been talented swindlers since uh, even our our time. So I guess that shouldn't surprise me. Hold on a minute. No, no. A washer and dryer? Oh, good lord. All right. Well, anyway. Oh, I've been meaning to, to tell you, um, I finally managed to locate exactly where Erish Kegel is staying as well as uh, her typical schedule. As, as I said, she has not become any easier to shadow. Uh, she's very careful, but I at least know when she's away from her home in case you ever wanted to investigate it. Very good, thank you. Of course, Master Kenninus. When when does she typically leave? Do you know where she goes when she leaves? Again, I was I'm only able to follow her for so long before she seems to keep a very close watch over her shoulder. Uh, I guess it comes from watching over so many souls. Some of them are bound to try and escape, and if you don't keep an eye out, uh, well, oh. you see how that gets Hades. Well, I mean, you've heard of. Uh... Enkidu. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, but, uh, yes, I have not been able to track where she goes. She seems to drop her guard when she's returning home, and that's the only reason I was able to find that. Excellent. Well, I'll have to make that my next, uh, my next stop. Of course. Uh, if you'd like me to come along, just let me know, or I'll uh, hold down the fort here. I think I'll... Text me the address. I'll, uh... I'll take a look on my own first, and then we can take it from there. Of course. And uh, she pulls out her cell phone and quickly types in the address, and a split second later, uh, your phone buzzes with the message she just sent. It has a little smiley face and a tree emoji at the end. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I just assume that that is Balanos's, um like, contact in his phone. <laughs> It's, it's just a tree. It doesn't say Balanus, it's just a smiley face and a tree. Oh my god. <laughs> Fantastic. And do you just set uh, out to go there later that afternoon? Yeah, I finish my toast and look up the address and start making preparations. All right, yeah, you uh, get yourself all ready to go, and at the time appointed... I grab my modified Glock. Grab my modified Glock in case you find any lionfish. Um, and then you go ahead and um, head out around the time that uh, Balanos suggested... Uh, Ereshkigal would be gone, and you you head on over there. You find yourself in a 
It's an apartment complex, uh, but the home that uh, Eris Kiko resides in is actually one of the, the rented townhomes uh, towards the back of the complex. Mm-hmm. And as you arrive, it's probably around three in the afternoon, and you can kind of see just by glancing at it that none of the lights are on inside of the townhome. Does it look like, I don't know if I'll be able to tell this, does it look like she has a vehicle, or...? Uh, I, d- I don't think... It, it, to your knowledge, it doesn't look like they are assigned parking, and there's cars everywhere, so it's no, you way, have no way of knowing. Yeah. Alright, well, if I know one thing about Irish Kegel, it's that she likes to have seven doors. It's <laughs> hmm. the I one see... and only thing. <laughs> there's the one out front. I suppose there are more inside. Can you imagine her going to a real estate agent and just being like, listen, I don't care about the school zones. I don't care about any of that. I just need to know if this thing has seven doors. No more, no less. <laughs> this house is perfect, but I will be taking down the bathroom door when I move. <laughs> I mean, uh, actually, there are seven doors inside. Inside? No, 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 no. I need seven doors to get into it. <laughs> you misunderstand. Uh, yes, there are seven gates and yep. the underworld, Neti is the gate teacher, who is Erish Kegel's messenger. And she's married to the plague god and hates her sister. Uh, Nurgle, yes. Yep. And mm. also wants to bang Gilgamesh. I mean, but who doesn't, course, though? Yeah. But that's just because <laughs> that's yeah. how that works. He's just so hot. And her underworld is Arkala. Yeah, it's, and it sucks. No matter how good you are, your yeah, underworld sucks. It just always sucks. <laughs> how it, The only thing that changes how good your life was in the afterlife in Mesopotamia was how many children you had. And even if you had a shit ton, you still ate dust for every meal. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> it's a wonderful place. Anyway, I don't, I don't know how to break and enter without breaking... Uh, I think, uh, <laughs> uh, I think Kununus is gonna honestly try the front door. Okay. Kununus walks up and you, you, you try the front door and, uh, immediately feel it stop at the lock. As front doors do. Yeah, as front doors uh, hey, do. I mean... I mean, yeah, it was worth a shot. Uh, and he's gonna go around back. If, like, she was not a god who, who one of her big things was keeping so many gates to make sure no one got in or out, maybe she might have forgotten, but, uh... These are, these are mortal doors, you know? Yeah, you go around back, um, there's sort of, like, a, a small walking path that goes around behind the townhomes, and each townhome has, like, a small fenced-in backyard, uh, with a sliding, an identical, all these are identical, um, sliding glass door, uh on a, like, small, um, like, concrete patio. Um, alright, so I, I'll just hop the fence and take a look at her backyard. Uh, I mean, it's pretty meh. It's, the grass is a little overgrown. Um, there's not really anything back here. If I look inside the sliding glass door... Hold on. Is anyone around me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you take a look around you to see if anyone's watching. Um, go ahead and give me a read-bet situation. Alrighty. I know how to roll dice. Let's do it. <laughs> Incoming two. <laughs> I mean... Saying, it's not a matter of if you know uh, how to roll dice. That a is a nine. ask one question, uh, which we'll just go ahead and do as anyone around. Uh, yeah, you look around, um... 
it's the middle of the week at three o'clock. Everyone's pretty much at work or at school. All right. Um, um, so it's pretty clear. All right. I'm just going to like put my face up against the sliding glass to take a look inside. <laughs> the image of Kerner's face just smushed up against the glass <laughs> looking inside someone's home. Uh, you look around and the window appears to open into uh, like a, a, a kitchen dining room combo. It's got like a small dining room table with one chair at it. And then, you know, kitchen accoutrement, you know, got your fridge, your counters, your stove, microwave. Uh, dishwasher nicer like a... than mine. <laughs> and there's like a couple of openings. One leads into a room that you can't really get a good look at, but from your vantage point, you can see through to the uh, front door, and then the you can't get a good vantage point to the uh, opening that leads left. I uh, I don't suppose there's like a bonsai tree or a ficus in there. Um. <laughs> Sure, because the vision of yes, just bursting yes, out of the bonsai no, is one yes. of the best things. Oh, one of the like, best as you, you could have given me. I thought as you approached this house, you were just gonna. For, the first thing you're gonna ask is, "Is there a tree in there?" <laughs> uh, all right, I'm gonna go into a tree. Erish, Erish, Kegel just uh, still has the the Christmas tree up from, from December. <laughs> yeah, oh man, that would be great. You know that 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 classic Mesopotamian <laughs> holiday of Christmas. Uh, she, well, no, I, I I imagine she, it's one of those things. that's like, well, you got to blend in, and everyone has this tree in the middle of their yard of their their home. So okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, trees are Saturnalia, aren't they? Yes, uh, but. Um, the, she might have like a cedar tree, which is like very important for Mesopotamian religion. Sure, that let's go with the nice, cool historical fact. She's got a cedar tree in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I, w- I would like to call attention to this. Just just a small call out post for Dominic. <laughs> when we first started playing this game, uh, Dominic decided to take angel wings for the divine, and literally angel wings just says you can be wherever you want, wherever the fuck you want. Um, because it's, it's just that whole, uh, trope of, like, that divine being in any of these types of, uh, shows. Just sort of, like, you hear the wing flap and everyone turns around, they're just there. Um, and their wings are gone because they cost too much to animate. Um, (laughs) still happens to this day. Fucking Lucifer does it all the time. They finally got enough budget to actually animate the wings in the most recent season. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, I saw that. (laughs) Oh, damn. Um, I'm getting off topic. So Dominic decided, hey, I'm a tree god. It doesn't make sense for me to fly anywhere. So I'm going to teleport through trees, which is pretty cool. Uh, and for our first arc, uh, before the podcast even started, I was like, I'm going to put a dinky little uh, park in the middle of downtown where we're starting this campaign off that has a single tree in it. And I'm like, okay, Dominic, you can teleport in through there. And Dominic says to me, no, I can only teleport between woods, not just trees. And now he's asking if he can explode out of a bonsai tree. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how far we've come. We're all about consistency here. (laughs) Yep. All right, call up post over. Um, You slip into some trees that are are behind this uh, apartment complex and pop out of the cedar tree uh, in Erish Kegel's living room. It, I imagine that it is kind of a bonsai-esque tree where it's it's been trimmed very small and he just kind of like <laughs> flops out of it and knocks over like a chair. <laughs> like, Outstanding. Stands up, brushes you, himself you, off. You pop out of this like bonsai cedar tree and, and fall over knocking over a small bookshelf. Oh, fuck me. Um, I'll put that back together. Uh, okay, you, you put the books back. Um, 
they are a number of just like modern-ish history books, like modern to to you guys. So like the last couple of centuries, years. yeah. <laughs> um, and like a lot of them have like dog-eared uh, pages here and there. Gotcha. All right, time to start snooping. All right. Uh, you find yourself in, as I said, the living room. Um, you, you've put the bookshelf back up as well as um, made sure that the little tree you burst out of is doing fine in the corner. Uh, there's not really much in here. It's pretty barren. There's a, a comfortable-looking armchair next to the, the small bookshelf mm-hmm. um, as well as just, like, one book that's, like, open face down on one of the arms of the chairs or of the chair. Um, and that's about all that's in here. Uh, how many locks are on the front door? Is there seven locks? Of course. You, you, yep. know, you know there are seven locks. <laughs> the first thing he checks, and he just, like, shakes his head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yep, that checks out. Uh, what is the book on the armchair, and, like, what page is it open to? Uh, the book on the armchair is actually a story about the Black Plague. Mm. Not a story, but, like, the history of the Black Plague. And it's just sort of open in the middle. It just seems like she left in the middle of reading it. Uh, gotcha. You can't really, you don't really notice anything of note within there. All right. Um, do I? So one thing that I kind of want to do, and I don't know how exactly this would work rule-wise, is I just kind of want to like sense, like kind of put the feelers out to see if there's any, like inherently magical or or divine things in the house. Um. Hmm. Uh, I think. You can just probably roll a use magic for that. I think that makes sense for a thing that Kenneth would do and is sort of in line with you in other place or time. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, if Enif can visit their own memories in detail, you can search for things that are of the same origin as yourself. All right, that is uh, a 12. Yeah. Was a 12 for sure. Um, you reach out to, to sense for anything divine um, in origin, and... Let me let me think on that for a second. This, if she would have anything like that, um, yeah, you know what? I I think you do. You sent something uh, upstairs. Uh, you, you can kind of see the the steps that are like directly in front of the front door, heading to a small like second floor landing. Uh, he's going to cautiously go up the stairs, and I think he's picking up on the idea at this point that she has. Um, acclimated to life on Earth quicker than he has. <laughs> so he's, like, looking around for any kind of little, like, electronic doodads that might set off an alarm. Like, he's <laughs> looking for ring doorbells. That's fair. Uh, yeah, you, you keep a look around. Um, uh, go and give me another rebat situation, I think. Okay. And that is a seven. Seven, yeah, uh, that'd be like any dangers you haven't noticed yet. You know, you you don't see anything okay. out of the ordinary, um, and you begin to head upstairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just assuming you're just following your, your your divine sense to to find whatever the source yeah, is. Yeah, like a like a pot, like a smell line off of a pie. I'm just kind of like <laughs> you drift along this divine smell line, and uh, you <laughs> enter into a fairly small bedroom. It's got like a, a twin bed in there um with some fair some, some it's got bed sheets with like little skulls on them adorable and uh 
like a, a lamp on a bedstand next to it with a like a phone charger draped across it. Mm. And uh, on the uh, on that bedside table, you see the thing that you could sense. It is a uh, like leather, old, old, extremely old looking leather bound book, uh, filled uh, filled with papyrus. Hmm. Well, well, what's this? You you just picking it up and rummaging? Yep. All right, yeah, you you uh, pick the book up and you you look through it. And you see, essentially, uh, as, you, as you drift through it, it's uh, messages written by, uh, from the handwriting. You can tell it's two different people. And as you, you flip through it, it seems to be messages between Ersh Kegel and Nurgle, uh, oh. with mostly Ersh Kegel double-checking to make sure that uh, Urkala is being actually run properly hmm. in her absence. Wait, it's messages between Ersh Kegel and who? Nurgle, her husband, the plague god of... Okay. <laughs> I think... History lessons! Ha ha! Yeah, son. Uh, I think... You're Kernan back is... in school, Dal. As soon as, as soon as he, like, kind of sees what it is, he, like... Uh, pull, like... Sits down, puts <laughs> his hands together, and gets right on in there. No, he, like, polite <laughs> closes it and, like, sets it down, like, well, looks... Uh, damn. <laughs> Not my intention to do see... They, per- do they have a loving relationship? Uh, depends on which myths you read. I if is my understanding. Indeed. Um, like it's uh, it is very unclear whether like it was a forced marriage or they they grew to love one another. I don't see Gilgamesh's name in there, do I? Uh, no. <laughs> he puts it down and is like, oh no, I gotta look for that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you flip through it, and um, okay, yeah, you do see Erskigel specifically asked, like, if Gilgamesh was doing alright down there, and, and Nurgle uh, responsibly was like, nice try, you know he never made it down here. <laughs> and he, he... But, that pa- but that paddle's back, and then Kidu is coming. Oh god. Oh no. <laughs> he, 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 he chuckles and then closes it and puts it back. Um, For anyone yeah. who doesn't know, there is a story in, in the epic of Gilgamesh, where essentially Gilgamesh is so good at lacrosse that, that the underworld takes his lacrosse stick and so Gilgamesh just sends his best friend to the underworld to die to get it back wow <laughs> what a dick <laughs> well, no, his, no, it, 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 that's true friendship he was just like he's like no man I love you so much I'll go get it for you it's and, and like, Kidu is Gilgamesh's ride or die yeah, and then, and then the, the he gets there bonus. and Erish Kegel's like dude when you go to the underworld you never leave you literally can't <laughs> and then he didn't like, what were you thinking Anyway. Alright, um, yeah, so, so far you've seen the majority of this, uh, townhome. You are in the bedroom. Downstairs was the, the kitchen, the living room, and you small, saw, like, a small, you saw a small room off to, like, the right of the entrance that was the one you couldn't really see from the back window. And it's, uh, it, it had, like, a desk in the corner. Um, and I don't think there's anything else on the second floor than the bedroom and, like, a small, like, half bath. Well, I don't think she's... I'm, I mean, I think she's just doing a job, I suppose. Not that she... I guess... I don't know. He, uh... He said there are seven locks on the front door? There are seven locks on the front door. Hmm. Uh, there's a 
desk in the otherwise barren uh, main room. There's an armchair with a bunch of history books next to it and a cedar tree, and the um, you know the living or the dining room slash kitchen. And I don't suppose the room with the desk has like a conspiracy board. With I mean, a bunch of, like, like tracking him. There's like papers and stuff on it, but there's yeah, there's no obvious signs that like there's some conspiracy involved with her trying to plan for your death or whatever you're imagining here. No, I just like, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out if I can sabotage her efforts to follow me in any way, but that doesn't seem like there's a paper trail or anything that can be fiddled with essentially. Uh, if you want to inspect the papers on the desk, I think that's the only thing you haven't looked at. Yeah. Take a look. Quick question. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess this would have made some sense for, for the divine book, uh, but there's no going back on that. Uh, mm -hmm. Can Kernunos read Sumerian? Oh, unquestionably. Okay, so the, the Divine Book was also written in Sumerian, and all these notes are written in Sumerian. Um, so yeah, Kernunos can, can read it, and they are... Um, the notes are... It's like trying to read someone else's notes who takes very sparse notes. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they are very difficult to understand because they are... Apps completely incomplete thoughts. Um, they are notes like, um... It's just like the word milk on the top of the page for no reason. <laughs> milk, <laughs> eggs, bread. And then five oh, dots God. going down the page that must mean something. But, you know. <laughs> uh, th th they're notes like, we didn't have to do as much, and... Like like another note down the line that just says "not real" with a several uh, whatever the Sumerian equivalent of question marks <laughs> is. I I do not know Sumerian, unsurprisingly. Uh, no, I, do. I do not either. Um, and like um, they they've been they've somehow hid something from us, and there's like an underline under us. Hmm. I think he takes a picture of that page on his phone, gotcha. and then puts it back. The flash is on. God damn it! <laughs> the ring doorbell goes crazy. <laughs> any any other papers that stand out? I I think they're they're majority like that. Those are the, the notes that make the most sense. Um, a lot of the other ones are like um, the, they 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 are directions, but directions that would only make sense for the person writing them. They're like mm -hmm. next to that one alley I went down the other Sunday or some stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Like they, they are super difficult to understand um th there are a couple notes about like uh you um like mentioning where you're living and mentioning um that balanos is here and talking about like the the, the people that that you've made friends with um it doesn't seem to ha like th these notes don't seem to have a lot of information about uh isaac enif and baron that's got like some some basic descriptions of them mm-hmm uh, so, like, it, it's basic stuff that, like, the majority of it, Ereshkigal knows from, like, times she's been around you. And there's not, like, any worrying levels of detail in her notes about you. Okay. Um, I am going to take a sticky note off the desk, uh, draw a little smiley face on it, and then stick it on the bottom of the desk, and then leave. <laughs> This is a little shit, I guess. Um, now, sure. now, hold on. Are those sticky notes shaped sticky notes? 
Like, are they? Yeah, they're they're shaped like little skulls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kiranitos, you take a little skull-shaped sticky note, draw a smiley face on the skull, put it on the bottom of the desk, and snickering, you leave the place behind the, through from whence you came. Baron, you have had a lot of on your mind, unsurprisingly. Uh, you find yourself right now, as we uh, check up on you, walking towards the deeper side of the woods, sword in hand, uh, a resolute look on your face. You are hoping to get answers, uh, and are also hoping things don't go horribly wrong again. Um... What what exactly is your plan here? Um, Baron is hoping to learn more about his past identity identities. I don't know at this point. Um, and just kind of like get rid of the amnesia aspect to his personality, so to speak. So he's trying to go to familiar places and see if something jogs his memory. All right. Yeah. Um, are you just sort of like finding a good place to meditate, or what? What, what exactly is your? Yeah, you visited this place. What is your next step? What are you? What are you doing? Yeah, just kind of venturing until something kind of sticks out, and then kind of gonna meditate. Baron's been looking up things to help, like unblock, and meditation seems to have come up, so he'll use that. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and give me another of those uh, plus weird rolls is you, you seek a place that gives you some amount of deja vu to, to, to meditate upon. It's a 13. Damn, wow. All right. Neat. Damn, son. Um, you find a place that uh, seems familiar. It, the, the woods have gotten... You, you are um, closer to your apartment, so a bit of a ways from Camp Longstream and its wards, and you find confirmation to the theory that uh, was given last time, that there aren't wards other places. Uh, You feel the woods supernaturally darken around you, uh, and you never once encounter a ward as you walk deeper into it. And this this darkness feels familiar, and you you sit down cross-legged and plant the sword in front of you and concentrate on whatever memories it can give you. Uh, And at this barrier between the darkness of the woods and your new life in town, uh, as you breathe in and out, um, you feel yourself transported. You feel yourself uh, almost like you're astrally projecting, uh, shoot deep into the forest, uh, directly perpendicular to, to the, the road on which your home is built. And after drifting directly forward in a way that you sense only you could, you find yourself at that pit you've seen in your visions and that Kernus describes, floating gently above, and you feel a thrum of familiar power from it. Um, you you are floating above it in an extremely non-corporeal form. Uh, what what are you doing? I guess you'd probably just try and see if 
if I could like float up away like above the pit essentially just trying to get my bearings right, sure. see if there is anything I can do you float up and above uh, you, you feel yourself having more control than you expected uh, drifting above it and as you do you feel this thrum hit a crescendo and you watch th- th- this area as described previously is dark in spite of the fact that the sky should be visible above it and as you look down on it you swear you see something moving and something comes out of it it is a a massive blackness that is in a uh, a, a lumpy regular uh, orb essentially and it is shifting and shaping and then it shapes into this large it almost looks like the, the, the head of an anglerfish, but with these dark gray eyes just in a ring around the mouth. And uh, it, it, it is missing the, the trademark angler of the anglerfish. And it opens with those, those needly teeth, and you hear a noise that you couldn't describe if you tried. And suddenly you're back in your body for a split second, and then you start to remember things. You remember terror. You remember screaming and running. You remember pursuit. You remember looking behind you and seeing this this horrifying... You would call it a horse if it didn't look the way it did. And you, you know you can't escape it. It's it's faster than you are, and as it catches up to you and rams into you, you feel your entire body get trapped, stuck to its skin, and then flashes forward, and this this horse-like creature, this monster, is walking into the lake with you stuck to it, and there's nothing you can do as it drags you down, and you feel the water enter your lungs, and you die. But you, you don't die even as you hear Khan's voice calling for you, screaming for help, anyone to do something, uh, and you try to tell them that you're still there, and you look down at yourself in your your ethereal, your astral, and you feel a pull from the woods. And then it flashes forward, and it's that same memory you had of being remade. You see yourself coated in this black energy and you feel yourself invert and you feel yourself become monstrous and then you are the wolf you become and it flashes forward and you are tearing out someone's throat and flashes forward and you're you're cutting out someone's bowels and it flashes forward many times and you see yourself commit many monstrous acts and then it flashes forward and you sense yourself as barren and you are running out of the woods. Uh, and as you run out of the woods, you feel this monstrous part of yourself that um, that, that has killed so many uh, split off, and you blink, and you look down at your human hands with, with this sword that you don't recognize, and you hear a voice say, No, we have to go back. And suddenly you are back in the present sweating terribly from these visions you've had. I think Baron tries to stand up and then kind of like stumbles over 
a bit just because that was that was a lot it's fair <laughs> it sort um, of clatters on the ground and you you kind of feel you feel those last vestiges of the night kind of fade from it and you feel this uh, for lack of a better word satisfaction at a, at a job well done as they do I think Baron will probably just pick up his sword and um, start wandering back to his house but also probably pull out his phone yeah I guess he kind of checks he kind of checks looking at his phone for any missed calls or something like that uh, as you do, yeah, you look down, you see an unknown number uh, and a voicemail. And as you pull it up and check it, uh, you hear it Con, and they say, Hello, Ron. It's, it's Con. I, I was hoping we could have that talk. I, I wanted to wait because you, you seemed really troubled last we met. And I wanted to give you some space, but I, I need to talk to you. Isaac, after taking ample time to heal, especially since you are a college kid with probably not much experience at things such as getting your life threatened and getting slammed into a wall by a ghostly miner, um, you decide what's better to, to, to solve all this than go diving headfirst into more trauma, and you head uh, I believe back to that park where you uh, were freaked out by the river. Is that correct? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Isaac, you, you find yourself back in that park. Uh, this time, thankfully, wearing uh, proper amounts of clothes for the, the cold of early January. Um, there are much less people here because, again, it's the cold of early January and there are no longer fireworks happening. There's... A person here or there walking their dog or going on a jog, uh, but it, it's it's just very sparsely populated at this point. Um, what do you do? Um, so I'm going to kind of walk along uh, the path near the riverbank um, until the point where I experienced the panic attack the first time. Um, and kind of wait just outside of, of that range, kind of when I can feel the the anxiety starting, um, and I want to pause there um, and just stare at the river and call um, Iris. Are you with me? Um, as you approach the river and call out for Iris, uh, your, your heart just thumping against your rib cage, and and your your legs shaking, and your breath starting to catch. Uh, Iris comes out and she goes Isaac what it, uh, uh, what why are we why are we back here 
Why, Isaac, why are we back here? I, Isaac, I don't want to be here. Isaac, why are we here? It's okay. It's okay. Focus Focus on me. Focus on my voice. Turn Turn around and, and face me. Do you know this place? I, I don't. I don't know, Isaac. I don't want to be. I, I can't be here, Isaac. I. I. And okay, everything okay, okay. begins going dark around you as she she freaks out more and more. Oh shoot. Okay. Uh, step back away. Um. All right. That's that's fine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go. Go back to. I don't know where she goes. Where she leaves. <laughs> ghost space. I'm a little unclear. Okay. <laughs> she goes yeah, to the you ghost can zone. you can hide. Ghost zone. She goes to the ghost zone. <laughs> Yeah, you can you can go back to hiding. <laughs> go back to the ghost zone. It's okay. <laughs> Play with all the other ghosts. I, Iris uh, uh, does not actually fade away. Uh, she uh, things continue to get dark around her, um, and she just goes, "I can't, I can't, I can't breathe. I, I can't, I can't, I can't breathe." Um. Okay, I'm going to we ah fuck. Okay, back up, back up, back towards the trees, um, and call her with me. Uh, she she kind of like floats along with you more because of her tether to you than because she's actually trying to continue with you. Um, she she is very much lost. It um, the 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 park almost looks like it's night at this point around you, um, and. Iris's eyes have kind of gone blank, um, and Isaac, you suddenly find yourself having difficulty breathing, and as as you you cough and sputter somewhat, um, you swear you feel yourself coughing up lungs full of water, and and you can't breathe. Concerning. The will be, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, we're we're stumbling back uh, away from the forest, or I'm sorry, away from the river. We're stumbling back away from the river, crawling like hands and knees, like coughing, um, and trying to focus on breathing. All right, uh, y- you continue, you continue coughing and sputtering, trying to stumble your way, and y- you do in fact uh, stumble and trip and fall and and. You feel the wind completely knocked out of you as you just slam into the ground. And your vision goes foggy and eventually goes to black. And some amount of time later, your vision comes back and you you see people standing over you. Um, You see uh, your mother, uh, but it's, but it's, it's your mother, but no, it's... It's not Isaac's mother. It's but it's it's your mother. She's crying, uh, and you feel your vision fade to black, and you you can kind of see um, from above the scene now, and you see a little girl laying at the edge of an overflowing river, um, a small duckling in her hand. You see your mother kneeling over her, sobbing as paramedics run up. And Isaac, you wake up in a hospital bed. Oh fuck! Did the duckling make it? <laughs> <laughs> was it a rubber duck or an actual duck? It was like a small toy duck. Oh. Uh, Isaac himself wakes up in a hospital yeah, see, bed. Yes, you you are in a hospital bed. It's it's like, um, you don't have like an IV attached to you or anything. Um, but 
Who who is Isaac's emergency contact? I think probably his mom. That's fair. Uh, Isaac, you wake up in a hospital bed, and there is a woman uh, sitting in the chair next to you, looking terribly worried. And Isaac, you do not recognize this woman. Uh, Why am I here? How did I get here? The woman goes, oh, Isaac, thank thank God. Oh, oh, my baby, I I thought we'd lost you. You... The doctor said it was just a, a panic attack, but you, you had passed out, and I was... Oh, I'm so glad you're okay. I'm, I'm sorry, who are you? She blinks at you a couple times like you're telling the worst joke anyone's ever told. And she goes, Isaac, it's, it's me, your mom. And as she says this, it's immediately obvious to you. You don't know how that slipped your mind. Uh, but before that comes back to you, there is a moment where y- your brain thinks that's not what my mom looks like. Uh, before you realize that, of, of course it is. This is this is your mother. You've known her your whole life. Uh, oh, 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 mom! I'm God. I'm sorry. Uh, I must have been out of it. Still, you. I, I just didn't recognize you at first. The doctor said you, you had quite a fall. Someone at the park called 911, and then the hospital called me. Do you want me to take you home, or do you think you're okay to, to go on your own? The park, yeah. How how long have I been out? Uh, I think just a couple of hours. Um, it hasn't been long. Again, the doctor said you, you had a panic attack, and, and they were just watching in case you, you got a concussion from the fall. Okay. I think thank you for for coming. Um I'm sorry to have scared you. Um I I I think I'm just going to I'm just going to rest here for a little bit, but I I think I'll be good. I'll I'll go back to my place once I'm a little better. If if you're sure. And if you are continuing work on your bracer in your store, you're in a bit of a bad mood, I'd imagine. This is obviously a character choice for you, but uh, Paulette just left not more than a minute or two ago. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> so you're in not a great mood. She was asking you for a, a reading on what her New Year's resolution should be. Jesus and Christ. lamenting the fact that you had been closed for the first few days of New Year's, so she had to go she had to miss some integral days on getting her resolutions complete. If Enif doesn't murder this woman after before like the end of the podcast. <laughs> oh no, you, you you've learned my trick. She's the big bad. She is the killer. <laughs> <laughs> um and you are interrupted from your work once again as a the door opens up and a a young-looking child walks in and begins idly looking at things throughout the shop. Um, hello, uh, can I help you? Uh, no, uh, hold on a minute. Enif wouldn't say that. They would say no touching. <laughs> Get your hands off the crystals. Yeah, yeah. Is the, is the kid like um like how young is the kid? Like, are we talking like teenager or like five or like five or six? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, like a young um, toddler, kind young of kid. Okay, uh, yeah. Enif is going to, um, st- you know, stop working on the bracer. Probably like you know, put it under the table or something like away. 
um, <laughs> and uh, slowly approach the kid. Um, it, does the kid look like it's about to touch anything? This little boy. This little boy is just like looking at things idly. Uh, his hands are actually like at his side. They haven't lifted since they were lifted to open the door. Smart kid. Um, yeah. <laughs> as you walk up, uh, he with a suddenness that's a, a little off-putting, uh, turns his head directly at you without, like, moving the rest of his body at all. Jesus Christ. Uh, and and looks, at so you with completely, <laughs> looks at you with a completely blank expression and just goes, Enifafnir, I wouldn't have thought you'd have stayed after our warning. How, how do you know my name? Of course I know your name. I've been sent by your former family. Mm, Enif's gonna take, like, several steps back. <laughs> like, can I open up my third eye to see what the hell is happening? Because that does not sound like the way... I mean, Enif doesn't really... isn't really around kids that much. <laughs> but they know that that's not the way kids normally talk. And so um, Enif would probably step back a couple steps and... Um, open up their third eye to see if this child is possessed or yeah. <laughs> something. Give me, a, give me a read a bad situation for sure. That's, that is a fair assessment. It's a nine. You could ask one question plus one from your eye. So two questions. Yep. Are there any dangers I haven't noticed? The danger you haven't noticed, uh, you open your third eye and you see something incredibly worrying as you look at this child. Uh, well, two things incredibly worrying. The first thing is you don't see a soul in oh. this child. Mm, that's, uh, uh, that's upsetting. Instead of a soul, you see something that takes you a second because it's been a while since you've seen one, uh, but you shortly after recognize as a... Uh, for lack of a better term, a remote detonation rune within this child. Hmm! <laughs> oh no! Oh god, what the fuck? What is your second question? I See, I oh, thought you were god. going in a totally different direction, and I thought you were going to tell me that I see a ghost hand going into this child like a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> that I hate also that. Be. Yeah, of course. <laughs> just, a, just a giant ghost hand, like doing that thing where it's like made to look like a person with like the index middle finger being legs, just inside the kid's legs. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. Well, yeah, that definitely influences my second question, which is going to be, uh, what's the best way to protect the victims, which is the small child? Um, I think it's just you. The best way to protect the victims. Yeah, which could also be me. You know. Uh, if this ruin, you know, because I mean, if this if this kid doesn't have a soul, like, can it die? <laughs> you, here is what you get from that. You you read the situation. Everything kind of goes into slow mo as you you see whatever magic um, is tied to this this uh, spell that's been woven into this child's being is pinged, and you can tell. Things are about to start happening very fast. Mm, and you realize there's no way to save this kid. And you realize that this kid 
might not be, for, for lack of a better word, real. And you realize that the victims are you and everything that you might want to save in this store. And the best way to protect them is to grab what you need and leave immediately. Um, if I go into the basement, would that be enough distance between me and this bomb? No. Okay, but... Because this kid's like in the center of your shop and the basement's like directly below that. Okay. Um, Enif is going to grab whatever go pouch they always have like on them like the little pouch that they or the little like satchel they always use to go on missions their bracer and then if they have time race downstairs to get the box with the orb in it okay uh go and give me an act under pressure for that for sure that is a six no i'm gonna die in this shop (laughs) um you go to grab your bracer and your go pack, and you immediately uh, begin to run down the steps into your basement. Uh, and as you you look into your main shop as you run down those steps, uh, again, just in this bullet time slow motion, you see um, a, a kind of this flash of light from the chest of this child, and then their their whole body it doesn't so much as explode as it suddenly turns into an explosion. Like, the, there's no gore, there's no skin or anything, it's just suddenly there's an explosion where a kid used to be. And you make it down the steps as this explosion spreads out, you miss the last step, and collapse on the floor as the fire erupts and just consumes your shop. And you wake up, you don't know how much time has passed, and it is very dark. And as you, you pull out what little light your phone can bring, because you can't actually reach a candle at the moment, you find yourself trapped under a, a just rubble. Um, you, you hear the sounds of sirens on the street. You hear in the distance, you can hear, like, troubled shouts in the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can kind of see the ruins of the, the floor of the shop that used to be above this basement. Um, there's very, like, a lot of a lot of the shop has fallen into the basement, some of which is on top of you right now. Um, and you, you are certain you have more than a couple broken bones. Okay, um, I don't know if I necessarily want, like, I don't know if I want these people to find me. It might actually be, re- might actually Time be- to fake my own death. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that <laughs> might be really useful. Um, can- can I see the the box that I stored down here with the orb? Uh, yeah, I think it's some distance away. You, you can kind of spot it amidst all the many things in the rubble. Okay. I think it takes a little bit of looking, but you, you, you spot it because you know the general area to look. Okay. Um, can I... Uh, am I trapped, or can I get out? Uh, you, you drag yourself out of the rubble. It, it is some doing, and you get a, a good number of scrapes, and like your ear clothes gets pretty roughed up in the process. Um, but yeah, you, you do manage to dislodge yourself. Uh, your um, like your wrist, your left wrist is definitely broken. Okay, that um, hurts. And and you have a you have a number of other uh, pains throughout you that are a little harder to diagnose, but probably aren't quite as bad as that they're just not good <laughs> you were just in an explosion yeah i just i can't we can't like i know Edith would think I, we cannot get ha- let this fall into anyone's hands but our own and so um Enif's going to grab that um 
box and put it, I'm assuming it's small enough to put in the satchel since the thing's only a size of like a baseball. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so um, I'm, they're gonna put the, the box in, in their satchel with their bracer and everything. And um, is everything down here just completely obliterated? Because they, their, their yeah. basement was also kind of their storage room too. Yeah, I think you have like a number of crystals that made it out because they're they're crystals, mm -hmm. uh, just sort of scattered everywhere. I think the only reason the, the box made out unscathed is because it's extremely magical. Right. Um, I think every pretty much everything like there's probably some like herb bundles scattered because you can't really destroy herbs by dropping things on them. Yeah. Um, like like things that would have made it out of unscathed from like a, essentially a rock slide slash like explosion are probably fine mm -hmm. uh there's so so you have some of your dried herbs that missed like the fiery part of the explosion that just got hit by the rubble and some crystals and whatnot down here uh probably just some, some different reagents that could be helpful um you could probably gather up it's you know it's leftovers compared to what you used to have down here something okay um yeah enif's gonna kind of whatever they can get that's like um relatively like unscathed um gather up as much as they can fit in their little um and they're like you know side side thing um and uh head upstairs or at least what's left of upstairs if the stairs are usable uh, the <laughs> stairs in your basement were like stone so like they're, they're damaged <laughs> but they're they're not unusable okay so you can kind of walk up into what used to be your shop uh, and I assume escape down the street yeah I mean Enoch's gonna take like at least like two seconds to just kind of look around and like in I think they're gonna start to cry like when they see just the absolute devastation and just nothingness that used to I mean they like that was their home and everything that they had and it's just gone like you know all the tarot card collection everything is gone um they kept their money in like one of those tin, like one of those like metal containers. Is, did that survive at all? Uh, yeah, sure. I think y y you managed to to find that in some of the ashes uh, after some sifting. Uh, you're garnering attention at this point because you are now within view of the, the crowd that's gathered on the street. Yeah, Enif's gonna as, as... Enif's gonna grab that box and skedaddle. All right, you grab the box and run off. Um, as, as you see a bunch of people kind of like murmuring and muttering, a couple people like point at you and look confused. Uh, you see Paulette cry, weeping at the, the remnants of your shop uh, just as the, the, the fire crew arrives. Baron, it is several hours after your harrowing flashback journey in deep in the woods. Um, and you are sitting at the table of a cafe uh, not too far from that park uh, where you were at several nights ago for the fireworks show and also hunting a dangerous monster. Um, you haven't been waiting there long uh, when you spot uh, Con uh, coming down the street. They are wearing a, a nice-looking white peacoat and... Uh, they, they they wave at you as as they come into sight. I give a little polite wave as well, and then kind of approach them. They they uh, come over and uh, as they they approach, uh, they 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 stand kind of like at an awkward distance from you and look a little uncertain. And 
then after a couple seconds of awkward silence, they take a seat in the seat across from the table you were you were sitting at at the cafe, and just goes. So, how have you been, Ron? Uh, I I don't know. Uh, Honestly, not so great. Seems to be a lot going on now. What What happened? What happened? You you died. You You were dead for for five years. Look, I, I I don't know the entire story either. I I mean it when you have to kind of understand that I am trying to piece this all back together as well. I just don't under I don't understand. I don't either, but I mean maybe you could could help me even at least kind of piece back together um just at least kind of the relationship that we had. We were married for it would have been 3 years that April. And, uh, I mean, we were happy. We had just bought a house. We had a, a dog, a little corgi. She's, she's still doing great, by the way. Um, <laughs> what, what? I mean, I also have a corgi. <laughs> You're kidding. No, I'm not joking. That's kind of a funny coincidence. Uh, I guess somewhere in there, you're you're still Ron. You always did love of the their little little log shaped bodies. <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty goofy. <laughs> yeah, they are pretty stupid looking, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that corgi butt man can't help myself. Uh. Cun laughs, uh, and it's it's by far the happiest you've seen them since you met them the other night, where they've been mostly distraught for uh, fair reasons since then. And they yeah. uh, went, uh, but uh, I don't know. That day is foggy. The the folks handling the the, the case said it was uh, PTSD from from your death. They, they found your body in the lake. And I don't know what happened. I, we were we were visiting the lake. We were gonna take some paddle boats, and I don't know. Again, the the day is a bit of a blur. Do you do you remember anything? I have some bits and pieces, but who did you talk to? Did you talk to anybody that was in like a suit, or was it like the police that told you all this? Um. No, there were people in suits. They were saying they were the um, homicide specialists. They they ruled out homicide, and they eventually left, but they kind of helped get me up to speed after I sort of, I don't know, lost myself a little bit there. And Con is suddenly interrupted as some distance away, you hear what is unmistakably the sound of an explosion. And Con looks shocked in the direction just because did you hear that yeah i did did that sound like an explosion to you i i, th- I think so uh, what do you what do you think happened i don't know but I, I i'm i'm gonna go check it out i think that sounds dangerous ron you should you should you should stay here i i have to go see at least if someone needs help i have to help them 
You can come with me if you wanted to. They look a little scared at that, but then sort of put a determined look on, on their face and, and shake their head affirmatively. And uh, the both of you get up. Uh, and luckily, you haven't ordered anything yet, so there's no bill to pay. Oh, they totally just walk out. It's yeah. like, whatever. <laughs> uh, and asshole. you begin running down the street as. Um, as you start to hear sirens heading in that direction. Uh, and you are running down the street in the direction you heard the explosion for not terribly long when you see uh, someone you recognize coming down the street directly at you, uh, running at much the same pace as you are, but away from the sound of the explosion. Enif looks terrible. They are covered in dust, cuts, scrapes, and they are, they are sort of cradling their left wrist against them. And they have clearly been been crying a good deal as they make it. To, they they approach you. Don't Baron, you're here. It's awful. Everything's gone. Yes. Oh my God. What's going on? There's this kid that came into the shop and and I opened my my and it had there was just the kid exploded. I don't understand what's happening. Oh, oh, that explosion was. Was my shop? My shop's gone. It's the whole thing. Everything's gone. Oh no! I was and and Edith like holds up the like you know money box. I was only (laughs) like only this survived. There was absolutely nothing. I don't. What am I gonna do? Where am I gonna live? And Con looks at you, Baron. Looks at the strange person who has obviously been through hell and is sobbing about having lost their home and barely managed to scrape anything by and then Con looks back at you Baron and with a confused look on their face just says did they just say a kid exploded?